Hi, everybody. Welcome to our podcast. This is a lot. I'm Joanne. I'm Shakira. And we're back for a third, fourth episode. Fourth, I think this fourth? is our fourth episode. After a very long time. A very, very, very long time. time. It's been like, what, months? Months. Since we've recorded? Yeah, because every time we like set a date to record, when the day comes, we're like, oops, life happened. We can't yep. do this. Also, um, there was like the summer break, and you were in Japan and the mm-hmm. Philippines, and I was here in Canada, yeah. and not happening. Yeah, that would have been really difficult to work out. We're not tech-savvy enough no. to do no. something yeah. in different spaces. You know how long it took us to set up the mic today? It literally took us like a solid 10 minutes, because first the mic wasn't working, then the mic was working, and then the speaker wasn't working, so we couldn't hear what was happening on the mic. Yeah. But we figured it out. We figured it out. We did it. Yeah. yeah. And now we're here, and now we're recording. Yes. And so, what are we going to be talking about today, Shakira? Today, we're going to be talking about all things McGill. Yay! Our favorite institution that we've been at for <laughs> three years. So, three let's years. start off with that. So, Shakira and I just entered our third year, and we both feel very strange about it. Um, thoughts, questions, concerns, musings? I think it's just like wild that we're in our third year. Because mm-hmm. it, it literally feels like yesterday when we were in the stairwell and we met in first year. Yeah. Oh, oh my god, can we tell you a story about how me and she came <laughs> Yes, okay. So we were in our first year. We lived in the Citadel Res. Woo. Woohoo, go sit. You can't sit with us. Yeah. That was our motto. It was yes. fantastic. Um, I think that was like a very telling aspect of what Sit was going to be like. Because yeah. Sit was so clicky. Sit was so clicky. So ba- basically, it was like the bougiest the, res. Yeah. And guys, we had a mini fridge in our room. Yeah, it was. And it because it like it turns into a hotel during the summer. Yeah. And we had like TVs and everything. And it was great. But the thing is, everyone was like, everyone had friends. But it wasn't the kind of res where everyone would know each other. So the whole res was divided into like maybe like six big groups yeah and those groups just never really interacted in fact they all kind of didn't like each other yeah um but yeah anyway shakira and i met during During the first week no it was like the second day yes Yes, it was was the the second second day day. and we were like up on the 26th floor which is where our common room was because we had a meeting or whatever and then they made us walk down the stairs 26 flights of stairs to like get to the like bottom because i think we were gonna go sit on a hill for a couple of hours for like orientation or whatever yeah and i was on the stairs and i heard joanne and she was like yeah i'm in international development but i have i haven't met anybody in international development (laughs) i was like wait yelling like two flights down the stairs and if you think about it it was such a miracle because there were like 200 students in that stairwell oh yeah and we weren't on the same floor so like i was at the bottom of the stairs and like she was at the top of the stairs for that floor and i have no idea how she heard me especially because everyone was talking everyone was talking and me and chikira have really bad hearing really bad hearing but she was like oh i'm in international development and i was like great i'll meet you downstairs and that's how things happened. And then, you know, a few weeks later, I changed my major and I was in gender studies. But um, <laughs> that was how we met. And it was, it's a cute story. I love telling story. I love. Yeah. yeah. It was but, great. Yeah. That was three years ago. Which is, like, wild <laughs> to me. Like, ah, I like, just, like, can't believe, <clears throat> like, that we're almost done. You know, like, you're graduating next year. You were supposed to be graduating this year. Fun fact about Joanne, I was supposed to do uni in three years, but then I decided to take another minor, so I'm actually going to be doing four, which is great because I have one more year with my best friend. But at the same time, it's like one more year, which means I am graduating next year, which is weird to say out loud because, oh my God. <laughs> um, but yeah, speaking of being in third year and graduating soon, I, okay, I've always had this, like, fear of, like, graduating, but not feeling as though I know everything Mm -hmm. about my major, that, like, you know, I've I've been, like, filled up with the knowledge I need to consider myself, like, a gender studies major, because, you know, like, I'm in, like, my third year, and I still feel like I'm learning things, I mean, which makes sense, but learning is in, like, there's still so much I don't know, Yeah. you know? And I was talking to someone the other day, and I was, and because she's graduating this year, and I was like, hey, so, like, do you feel like you know everything, you know, like, you've been here four years, like, do you feel like a gender studies major? And she was like, honestly, no, not really. 
and I'm just afraid to like feel unprepared when I graduate. Oh no, thoughts, questions, concerns, musings. I totally agree. I like have no idea what I want to do when I leave here, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like I could go back to school and get like a master's or whatever, but I'm also like, do I really want to spend another two, three years in a university setting that was like <sighs> so toxic the first time? Or do I want to like not and like work? But then it's also like, how do adults find a job? How do how do adults find jobs? Like, I don't know how they do things like that. Right? I'm so lost. Right? I'm so like I'm actually so confused. Me too. Um, especially when you know you're going to be graduating with so many so many other people. Yeah. And so everyone's, everyone's going to be looking for a job. And like I have a bunch of friends who have just graduated and they're like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. Mm-hmm. like yeah trying to find a job haven't found anything yet like you know and mm-hmm. i'm just like i don't want to get to that point like right it's this weird sort of like dynamic between like wanting to be done with school and wanting to like work and also like dreading the sort of risk of not being able to find a job you know yeah because it's also like once you're done your undergrad like you're an adult i know you know like that's when real world shit hits you you know and it's like you don't have that like buffer of like i'm a student i'm still learning like, yeah i'm still I can, cute <laughs> i can still make mistakes yeah. it's like once once you're not a student anymore mm-hmm. like get your shit together <clears throat> right like making mistakes is no longer cute when you're done um so what we're trying to say is we're gonna fuck up our year now because this is the last <laughs> time we can do it um wild yes um but that's i'm sure like if people are if people who are listening are also in their third year or fourth year or whatever, like, they can relate, I guess. Unless you have, like, jobs lined up for you already. Like, congrats, whatever. I'm also, not jealous. Also, like, hit us up. Because, like, very jealous. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Like, um, this summer, I, like, did an internship at, like, um, a news media and entertainment company in Manila. And I sort of got a taste of what it was like to actually do work for something that isn't a school and to submit things that weren't going to be graded and to sort of have that freedom of like being your own person and doing things and like doing work that you like genuinely believe in instead of being like restricted to like a curriculum or whatever a framework and it was fantastic it was so good um and then I came back and now we're in this sort of like routine Mm. We're like we're constantly disciplined and there are constant deadlines and everything is sort of in a vacuum academia is so, so in a vacuum, vacuum. Speak, yes. okay i'm going on a tangent but shakira and i were talking earlier about academia mm. and how talk about your syria thing oh yeah okay so i am <clears throat> i was debating on like whether or not i wanted to go to class i'm not sorry mom um, <laughs> self-care because so i'm in this like social change of modern africa class and it's been fantastic also like when i had taken this class i was like praying that the professor was going to be black and it's like baffles my mind that you have to pray that you'll get a black professor who's teaching like modern africa Mm -hmm. because like that is like he is black thankfully but like there was it it totally could have been the complete opposite where we would have had a white man teaching classes about modern africa congrats miguel on doing the bare minimum right this is my second black professor in my three years here rachel was the first yeah she's gone now and she's gone miguel didn't want to offer her tenure thanks miguel a story for another time because we have a lot to say um but yeah so i'm in this modern change of social change of modern africa class and right now we're talking about colonialism which like makes sense because like it's africa and like you know and i was doing this reading about the mau mau people in kenya and like the violence that the like great britain had put these people through after they come back from fighting in the second world war and like i am not a very good person when it like i'm not very good at compartmentalizing and i don't do well with violence at all like Mm -hmm. i just get too emotionally invested and i'm like omg like this is a lot like I can't read this anymore like I was crying during the reading because I was like this is awful like these are people and stuff and so I'm like okay like I'm not going to that class because I am not in that space right now um and I have a fantastic note taker so it's all right um but I also have to work on an essay and 
my essay that I'm working on right now is all about like Syria and the civil war that's happening in Syria and like the international like actors that like play a role and as I've been doing the readings for this essay I've just like realized like how much academia is in a vacuum because all of the readings are so detached from what is happening in Syria right now and it's like they'll just like nonchalantly be like oh yeah 10,000 people have died and I'm like no like these are human beings that have died because of like states fucking around in places that they shouldn't be and like like you know like they talk about it in such a like global like um macro lens and I just feel like within academia, we there's so many times where we just lose the like individual experiences of people. Like mm-hmm. they are more than just statistics, you know. Mm-hmm. Like these are actual people's lives that are being destroyed <clears throat> by the civil war, and yeah. you're just talking about it as like, oh, like this is just another thing that happens in the world, which is like, no, like this is not okay. You yeah, know? and what's like, what's even worse is that like academia benefits from the suffering of so many people yeah because it really in, does. in addition to like talking about these things nonchalantly and treating people like statistics their plight and their suffering is what fuels academia it gives us things to write about it gives professors things to teach about teach mm-hmm. yeah yeah that was correct grammar right yeah teach about yeah teach about? yeah yeah sure yeah. okay um but yeah so we were just talking about how like genuine human suffering and war and all the fucked up shit that's happening supports academia and it's unethical. Oh, and yeah. so we just felt really weird about being these very two social justice inclined people, but then also being very much involved in academia. Yeah. Which I guess, even though we're grateful for the education we have and, and the things we're learning, it makes it hard yeah. to like be like, to be totally satisfied and content. Because we're just so up here, we're so protected. Mm-hmm. We have so much privilege that, you know, we can like, sit in our comfortable little rooms and you know do research on all sit in our ivory towers and just like read about all this suffering like i feel so guilty sometimes like yeah do you ever feel guilty absolutely yeah Yeah. like it blows my mind and Mm. it's like the more that i'm in academia the less i want to be in that space Mm -hmm. but then it's like the more that i'm realizing that like it's essential in order to like be quote unquote successful, mm-hmm. you know, which blows my mind. Mm-hmm. Like I have a friend who isn't in university and they are very socially, social justice like oriented as well, but they have a hard time like sometimes finding the work that they want to do because they don't have a degree that says that they are educated in mm-hmm. this area or like they are like an expert in this area, like because they went to that, went to university. Which baffles my mind because I could I honestly feel like this person is probably more educated and more like well versed in a lot of social justice topics than I am and I'm the one that's going to a Ivy League. I was making air quotes right yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> School. <laughs> like and they're having a hard time finding a job because they don't have that piece of paper that I will but here I am feeling totally unprepared. You know, because yeah. I feel like I haven't learned what I need to learn. Yeah. It's a serious like irony, you know. Yeah. And it's like um, and the whole thing about education being quote unquote essential to success and to like getting a job is so like it's so naturalized and normalized and universalized to the point where people forget that that's such a structural thing. It's mm-hmm. so you know it was invented by people. It was never a natural given thing. And I feel like the more you comply to this sort of like normative way of living your life, you know like, you go to school, you graduate school, you go to university, you graduate university, you get a job, you get married, you have kids, whatever. If you follow that, that's apparently a measure of success. But in reality, Shakira and I have been witnesses to so many other people who haven't followed that path and who are still, A, way more qualified than us mm-hmm. to like talk about things like social justice and B, are just incredibly smart and incredibly valid and amazing. And yeah. And, you know, it feels weird as someone in academia, like, talking about how academia is so flawed mm. while, still being, while still being in it. It's weird. It's, it's weird. I don't know. Like, it's funky. It bothers me, too, because, you know, like, academia is marketed as this thing where, like, you challenge, you challenge, like, the bound, you push the boundaries. Mm. That's what I was trying. You push the boundaries <laughs> and, like, you are very revolutionary with your thinking and stuff. But I've had so many cases where that is not the case. Like... Mm. I, last semester, was taking a class, what was it, 
the ethics of religion or like religious ethics something something religion and ethics and yeah and I was having a very rough time last semester like not great Mm -hmm. and I was able to get a like doctor's note so that I could get extensions on my essays and the prof was like yeah sure go ahead and so at the end of the semester I'd handed in all my essays the prof did not communicate that with the TA because the TA docked me like a shit ton of late marks sorry for my length my swearing I can't help Mm -hmm. it I don't know um that's okay all the swearing we love it yes Mm -hmm. but the TA docked me late marks and then when I told them they were like no oh sorry like I'll change your mark never did and then I submitted my final paper and literally the prompt for that paper was discuss gender and religion and I was like okay I'm gonna talk about like Islam because at the time I was taking Arabic and also a foreign policy of the Middle East class and gender and my entire thesis was essentially the idea that like Islam is not as gender oppressive as society makes it to believe but it's rather the interpretations of Islam and also the like like western influences in the middle east that makes that like prompts people to use anti-oppression like that prompts people to use like oppressive tactics for like against women you know and i like had written the paper and like i talked about like oil and like how like the desire for oil um creates gender oppression and like how you know like the western intervention and a lot of the regions of the middle east um, because they were like, oh yeah, we're spreading democracy, but we're also spreading women's rights led to a draw, like led to pushback on mm-hmm. women's rights and led to gender oppression, all this stuff. And my TA was like, um, no, that's wrong. Your arguments are invalid. And I was like, what the, what do you mean my arguments are invalid? Oh and he's like, yeah, no, like what you, what you're saying doesn't actually align with what the scholars are saying. So like, <clears throat> you know like you oh can't argue God. that and i'm like what and he's like how does oil like lead to gender oppression i'm like i literally talked about it in my paper i have did you read the paper did you read the paper <laughs> like i had i felt it's not even like i was just pulling this shit out of my ass like yeah. no i had done the research i had found the articles that like argued what i was saying and cited them in my paper and he was like no you're wrong like this doesn't like this doesn't agree with like what like majority of like the critics are saying in the field and i'm like but the point of university is not to agree and regurgitate everything that like you guys say the point is to challenge you and i'm challenging you what is so wrong with that you know and so i got a d in that class and then i went to the professor and i was like no i do not accept this mark like i don't think that this is representative of the work that i've done in this class can you please look over my stuff and he does and I get a C plus and I was like um can I can you explain your reasoning behind this mark like can I at least get feedback on my paper so that I know like where I went wrong and like why you guys seem to hate this paper so much nothing radio silence I have emailed him like seven times from since July and I have not gotten a response about that paper Mm -hmm. or about why these professors think that like me going against what critics say is an invalid argument for that class yeah (sighs) that was a lot to take in um that's really frustrating especially when miguel does this whole thing about oh we're you know producing critical thinkers and great leaders um they're clearly not doing that the material reality is that you know they're going to suppress your ideas yeah if you go against sort of like the typical grain like oh sorry your argument's invalid yeah um that's really frustrating i'm so sorry um at least you don't have to take that class again thanks and be with that prof again yeah um but i honestly think that's just super telling of so much of the spirit here Mm -hmm. you know um and speaking of that i think we need to talk about the climate strike and Mm. how miguel is doing nothing yeah so this friday um September 27th, Greta Thunberg. Thunberg. She's Woo. this 16-year-old climate change activist who's been making like a really big impact. Is coming to Montreal for a climate strike that's happening. Mm-hmm. And McGill has been completely inactive. And like they last week sent an email saying that like we support this initiative, however, we're not going to cancel classes and like we encourage professors not to have examinations on this day and like not penalize students for not attending class but like as a university we won't be 
canceling classes. Meanwhile, I'm pretty sure almost every other university in Montreal has canceled canceled classes. Yeah, literally almost every school, every university in Montreal has canceled classes, and so many schools across Canada Mm -hmm. have canceled classes. Um, And yeah, it's just really stupid that Miguel Edmond was like, we really support this cause, but also we're not going to cancel classes. Also, it's Um, like, how do you support this cause when you literally invest in like fossil fuel companies? Right? Right? And oil companies. Like, you clearly don't support the environment if you're literally giving money to oil companies who are destroying the environment. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like they think Miguel students are so stupid that they would buy that. You know? Like, we we can see right through you. Mm -hmm. Um, And, yeah, and just to, like, connect this to something that happened, I think, last year or two years ago... There was, um, I think there was a strike for sexual violence on campus, or like last the sexual, year. yeah, last year it was um, sexual harassment and how administration was doing nothing. And so we had all like marched to the admin building, and everyone in the admin in the admin building had like seen everybody outside just protesting. We were literally had, like, outside their doors. Right outside, everybody, and like they literally like drawn the curtains and like you know. They had shut all the windows and just, like, watched us from below. Yeah. And they haven't stopped doing that. Mm-hmm. That's what they're doing up to now. And, yeah. Thanks, Miguel. But um, Shakira and I are going to the strike yes. this Friday. It's from 10 to 11, I believe. Mm-hmm. And then today there's a general assembly. Um, in the arts faculty in, to try and get the arts, like... The student, youth. I don't know what they actually are. I don't. All I know is that they need at least five hundred students to show up so that they can vote to cancel classes. Yeah. So let's hope it works. Um, and if they do, if it ends up working, I just want to make clear that you know, like, credit should not be given to Miguel. It should be given to the students who organized. Yes. This, who organized know? the vote? Who like did the work? Mm-hmm. But like you know, Suzanne's gonna be like, yeah, like after some like strong consideration, we think that like administration has decided that we're gonna cancel. No, you did not do shit. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and then you know, Miguel's gonna have this reputation for being like so progressive and you know so for the environment and for social change. When really, it's the fucking students who are doing all the work. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with you know like change the name. Mm. Right? Um, that whole thing again. That was um, that was all student led. Yeah. Um, the sexual For those who don't know who what yeah. changed the name is, um, up until last year, the male football team at McGill was named the Redmonds, mm-hmm. um, which has a lot of like negative indigenous connotations to it, and a lot of th- like pretty much I think the entire indigenous student population was like, no, we don't mm-hmm. appreciate this name. Like, we want this name to be changed. And literally, like, the first response is, like, we, we we can't do that. Like, there's just, like, a lot of, like, logistics to changing mm-hmm. this name. And, like, it's not something that's very feasible. So, like... And it's just a name. It's and it's like just a name. But it was also just, like, if you... People did, like, people did research and found that, like, McGill... Like, historically, it was not just a name. Like, they used to have, like, like uh, mascots that wore, mm-hmm. like, indigenous, like regalia and stuff like that or like patches with like like an indigenous man in like a feather head like headdress or something like Mm -hmm. that and we're like no like you can't do that and all that being on unceded land as well oh 100 percent, yeah all on unceded land and like and then one of the things was like oh yeah but like we might lose our sponsors or like our investors because like alumni don't want the name to change and we're like okay but the alumni aren't fucking here (laughs) like they don't matter yeah um but yeah so that was another example of how students literally led that initiative um to like change it and it worked yes and suzanne sent this big email about how they were going to change the name and did she give credit to students at all? I don't think so. I it was more like so. we heard you and we decided that, yes, we're going to change it. No, we, like, students pushed you to do this. Yeah. No, um, like, so credit is to them. Um, but, yeah. Um, McGill and men, you suck. <laughs> McGill is a very, very toxic space. And speaking of spaces, I want to talk about an instance that happened, I think, last week. Yeah. This weekend. No, it was Monday. No, Sunday. No. It was Sunday. It was Sunday. Yeah. On Sunday, 
in which I felt very unwanted in a physical space. Whew. Okay, so this incident involved me, two white men, our favorites, um, and one white woman who was completely just standing there not doing anything. Mm -hmm. Okay, so thanks a lot for the solidarity. Um, I'm still really salty about this. Um, so basically, um, on Sunday, me and two other people from my class had booked a room in the library um, from 11.30 to 12.30. Um, and we needed that room because we were going to work together on this presentation that we had for Monday. So a few things happened in the morning and we all decided that, hey, we're not going to be able to make 11.30. So we decided to meet at 12. So I get to the library at around like 12 and I look for the room and it takes a while for me to find the room because there are a lot of rooms, there, 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 there are a lot of study rooms like on the second floor of like our library and it was one that I had never been to before so I was looking around for it. And I found the room and when I walked in, people were in it. And I was like, huh, this is funny, I mean, we booked the room. So I walk in and there were like these two white guys who were sitting there on their laptops and then one girl who was like doing her own work as well. And I was like, hi, we actually have this room. Um, and they were like, no, we have it. And I was like, no, no, no. We booked this room for 11.30 to 12.30. Um, and then they were like, oh, okay. So you want us to leave the room for like 10 minutes? And the way they said it was just so condescending. As in like, that makes no logical sense, you know? Like, it was it was just a very rude way of being like, hmm, I think it's better that we like stay for the, for the rest of the time as it's only, you know, like 10 minutes. Um, so it wasn't the fact that they were not willing to leave the room that pissed me off, it, it was the way they said it. Cause they're mm. like, that doesn't make any logical sense. Like you want us to leave the room? Is that logical to you? That's how they phrased that. And so I got a very clear sense that I was not wanted here that I was being belittled. And to be honest, I feel like if I was a if I was a guy, they wouldn't have been that disrespectful to me. But like, yeah, bro, like totally cool. Yeah. Take it for as long as you need. Exactly. So I was just like I was really like stunned. I was like, wow, I can't believe how rude this person is being. And I was like, I get what you're saying, but you really don't have to talk to me that way. And then the guy was like, oh, I'm sorry, like, you can share the space if you want. Like, do you want to come in? I don't want you to be upset. Like, you can, yeah, come in. You're welcome. We don't want you to be upset. Leave. <laughs> That's what I want you to do. <laughs> triggered me even more because it was like he was, it's as though he was insinuating that. You were overreacting. I was overreacting, that my emotions were getting the better of me. When in reality, he was being rude and I was just responding to that behavior. Yeah. So I was like, this is. And the girl was just sitting there doing nothing. There were the, they were these two, like, big white guys, right? And I'm this, not to belittle myself, but I'm, you know, I'm, I'm tiny. <laughs> I'm tiny. Very small. Um, I'm very small. And I knew that they had, like, physical dominance, right? And I was like, this is also, like, an isolated room. It's not safe for me. I'm going to leave. And I was like, you know what? Take the room. I don't need it. So I left. And I texted the group chat with, like, my two other friends who were, like, coming to meet me as well. And I was like, guys, I fucking hate white men. Oh, my God, this just happened. And they were like, oh, shit, we're on our way. So they came, and they checked the booking again, and they realized they had also booked the same room from 12.30 to 1.30. Mm -hmm. And they're like, great, let's storm the room again. So we all walk in, and then the guys were like, uh, I thought we went over this. Like, we have the room. And I was like, first of all, we fucking booked the room from 12.30 to 1.30 as well. Second, it was super condescending and super rude of you to be like, oh, we don't want you to be upset. Come, like, sit with us, blah, 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 blah. So we essentially called them out for their behavior, and they started gaslighting me. They were like, they were like, no, 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 you misunderstood that. Like, we, we didn't want you to be upset. We were, like, offering, we were even offering the room to you. It's not we your room to that. offer. Like, yeah, it's not your room to offer. And it was so clear what you were trying to do. It was so clear. Because think about it. If, if I was A, a, du a dude, and, like, be probably, like, a white person, they'd be like, oh, sorry, like, you can, like, share the space if you want. You know? Or they'd be like, oh, come join us. They wouldn't be like, no, 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 come join us. We don't want you to be upset. You know? So they were just very patronizing, very condescending, and very rude. And it ended up with us being like, take the fucking room. Enjoy it. We don't want it. 
we don't want to be here and we ended up finding a better space anyway but that just like was so evident of how entitled Mm. white men can be yeah because it's also like we booked you guys booked the room Mm -hmm. get out get out not like you you don't get to offer to share the space it's not like they had booked it and then like you were like hey like i thought i booked it like Mm -hmm. you know you booked it it was very clear that you booked it like get out you have no reason to be there anymore exactly and even if there was some sort of like technical sort of mistake where we had both booked the room the system had failed us like there was a much better way to like handle that you know i feel like a much better more respectful way to handle that would have been like oh we actually booked the room but like um we're really sorry we're like using the space right now or like you're welcome to share the space with us if you want instead of being super patronizing towards mm-hmm. me and what really got me is that you know when someone calls you out for rude behavior i feel like a, the right response should be i'm sorry about that i didn't mean that like how can i do better but they kind of just refused to like be held accountable for their actions and they refused to believe that they could possibly ever be wrong you know so mm-hmm. it's, again, the entitlement, the refusal to be held accountable to your actions. Um, and just thinking that you're, like, too good to be called out, you know? Um, and it just sucked that there was, like, a woman there. And the whole time I could, like, read her facial expressions. And she knew that what the guys were saying was wrong. And yet she stayed silent. That just you goes know? to show, again, like, how white women are just as, like complicit in white supremacy and white violence because they refuse to like act or like they do it from a place of privilege and like completely disregard like you know like the minorities and the struggles of other women of color you know because like they still have their privilege like they're technically still safe you know so they don't have to be as invested yeah Exactly. And when, you know, when you stay silent and when you don't help others, you're just as guilty of oppressing oh, yeah. people. Um, so that was really just freaking annoying and it ruined the entire day, honestly. And yeah, I spent the rest of the day just being really mad and hoping to like run into them so I could fight them again. Because um, we went off, like we started yelling at them and they started yelling and it was just this whole thing in the library. Um, but yeah. Uh, but then I also love how, like, they would, like, it's very likely that they would be like, OMG, like, these women were, like, completely overreacting, and mm-hmm. they just got, like, super aggressive for no reason, and, like, we didn't even do anything, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Again, like, we're the ones overreacting, right? We're the ones being, we're the ones being bitches. Like, we're the you ones in the wrong. Problem. Yeah. We're the problem. We're letting our emotions get the better of us, like... So, yeah, the need to fight um, white supremacy and the patriarchy has never been stronger. And colonialism, too. We need to fight that. And climate change, you guys. Fight climate change. Um, But, yeah, that was my little rant. Um, It's not a little rant. It's, like, it's It's an issue. But, yeah. But I also love how there's, like, no support from the admin either. Mm. Um, To all my black listeners... The BSN is trying to get... Hold on, let me pull it up. The BSN is doing this, like... Um, this online consultation... I can't speak. Consultation? Consultation for Black Students' Bill of Rights. Um, because right now, McGill, like, have to prove that their needs like they have needs and that their needs should be met on campus so the bsn is doing this like google form to try and get like a sense of like people's experiences and the rights that they wish that they had Mm -hmm. um so if you're black or you identify as black and you go to mcgill head to the bsn and fill this out because i know they would greatly appreciate it um because you know the admin just like has no support mechanisms in place or very little support mechanisms in place like Mm -hmm. i have a lot of experience unfortunately with bad mental health services at mcgill Mm -hmm. um like literally my first year i got a counselor you have to wait a month to get an appointment with a counselor so i got an appointment 
My counselor was fantastic. Loved this woman. She helped me so much. And then, like, two weeks before the end of the school year, she was like, I want to let you know I'm leaving. I'm like, hold up. Like, what do you mean you're leaving? She's like, yeah, no, like, McGill is, like, rehauling their entire wellness system. And, like, I just don't agree with some of the things that are going to be instituted. And I was like, what is happening that is making you leave your job? Take me with you. And then... I discovered what is happening that is making them leave their job because it's shit right now. It's a shit show. Um, last year, I tried to um, like access mental health services in the second semester again, and I called in June, not June, January, and they were like, okay, we'll give you an appointment in February. A week, which is a month later, a week later, they called and were like, sorry, we have to cancel your appointment. And I was like, what? Like, I've been waiting for this appointment for a month. And they're like, yeah, like, the something came up with the counselor. Like, sorry, you can reschedule another appointment, but it'll be, like, a month from now. And I was like, at this point, like, no, like, it's not even worth it. Um, so I didn't make another appointment, but then, like, things just started getting, like, like very intense and I was like okay like I need help processing and also like I'm a very big advocate for therapy I think it's fantastic and I think everybody should do therapy like Mm -hmm. even if you're not having like visible or not even visible but like it's serious mental health issues that are like impeding on your daily life I think everybody should go to therapy I think everyone should go to therapy I don't think it's only reserved for those who are going through mental health issues Mm -hmm. I think it's something that'll benefit everybody yeah yeah so I was like okay like I really need to see a therapist right now. Just, like, talk through with a therapist. Um, And so I found out that McGill has walk-in sessions. So I was like, okay, cool. So it was, like, a Wednesday in February. And I had had gone into the walk-in, got there, like, an hour-ish early. And I was the seventh person in line. And there was ten of us, I think. We get in, and they accepted five people, and then we're like, sorry, we don't have anything else. And we're like, Mm. what the fuck? Like, you know, and, like, I remember I called Joanne crying afterwards Mm. because I was like, I didn't realize I needed to see somebody that badly until I couldn't see somebody. Mm -hmm. And, like, chilled with Joanne at Humble Light, I think you were at? Yeah. Yeah. And then I, like, went home, and I was like, fuck this, fuck McGill, like, I don't need them kind of thing and then I think it was my boyfriend Ryan love you hi Ryan we love you um he was like no like you should try again so I was like okay so on Friday I went again this time I was an hour and a half early and I was the first person in line and I saw someone and like it was like I literally like I walked in and like they only give the walk-in to 30 minutes to like what yeah it's a 30 minute thing walked in burst into tears (laughs) And then mm-hmm. and she was like, okay, like, this is not going to get resolved in 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Nope, nope, nope. Um, so, yeah, like, started to see someone. And then she ended up referring me to psychology because she's like, yeah, like, your feelings are very intense right now. And, like, my mom was in Jamaica at the time. And, like, I hadn't really told her, like, a lot of what was going on just because, like, it's just, like, very hard to communicate with people who are out of the country, you know? Mm-hmm. I get that. Um, so I'd, like gone to psychology not psychology psychiatry psychiatry and like had met a psychiatrist and literally my first time that I was there I waited over an hour to meet with my psychiatrist and then met and he was like okay we're putting you on a shit ton of medication and I think I went through like four different medications until like he found something that like he thought was appropriate and then he diagnosed me as bipolar nothing against like that was like really shocking to me because I was like what like my mom has worked in like she's a child and youth worker and she has worked in mental health care she's worked with like kids who have a lot of mental health issues and stuff and like i'm like i feel like my mom would have known if i was bipolar you know like i feel like this would have something like she she would have clued in you know like my mom's not a clueless person my mom's a fantastic mother like Mm -hmm. she would have known and she would have gotten me the help that i needed because she is so like like i've been in therapy since i was like 10 like she's so like mental health positive or whatever um so then they put me on lithium and i kid you not i gained like 50 pounds from like inflammation just like being on those medication like being on that medication for two months and like my body has been in haywire ever since i went on those medications 
And then I went back home in June for my birthday, and I was, like, talking to my mom about everything, and she was like, no, like, no. <laughs> mm-hmm. And she's like, the, like, that's not true. Like, I don't appreciate, like, what they're doing to you. Like, this is bullshit. Um, so I got, like, weaned off the medication, and since I've been back, it's literally been, like, every time I meet with, like, a mental health profession – they're like, yeah, like, are you still with psychiatry? I'm like, no, like, I'm not with psychiatry. I don't want to go back on medication. Like, it fucked me up the first time, and I don't want to do it again. And, like, of course I'm depressed. Of course I'm anxious. Do you not see what the frick we have to deal with every day here at McGill? Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of stuff happening in my personal life. There's a lot of stuff happening at school. There's a lot of oppression that I have to deal with from the school. Like, mm-hmm. of course it would be normal for people to be anxious and depressed. Like, you know like that doesn't mean that i need to be like hung up on like a shit ton of medications that weren't helpful the first time you know and it's just like so glaringly obvious that mcgill and men they have and like their mental health services have a very specific like cookie cutter like idea of mental health Mm -hmm. treatment and if you don't follow that treatment then screw you it's like they have an ideal patient Mm -hmm. and it just sucks that like in order to get treatment, in order to be seen by somebody, you need to be, like, on the verge of, like, suicide. You need to be doing so bad. They need to be able to, like, see your mental health, you know? Like, my counselor back in the first, like, back last semester, like, I was able to see her about every other week um, because of, like, how intense my symptoms were. And she's like, I'm very worried about you kind of thing. And when I had gotten like my referral to psychiatry when I had originally gone they were like yeah we don't have anything until May we were in February Mm. what the (laughs) what do you mean you don't have anything till May but I had written like my psychologist had written on my referral form that like I should see somebody ASAP and so then they were able to get me in but I remember like being at one of my appointments and a girl had tried to get an appointment and she they were like we don't have any this was like beginning of March and they're like, we don't have anything until June 1st. And she was like, I'm leaving. Like, is there any way that I can see someone? Like, I really need to see someone. And they're like, unfortunately, no. But, like, you can come back next year. Like, mm. and it was so clear that that girl was in a state of crisis. And they just turned her away. Mm-hmm. And it was like, like, I, you don't know what that, what could have happened. Yeah. You know, like, what if that was the turning point for her? And she was like... I'm done, mm-hmm. you know, because I can't get the help that I need. Because McGill is failing their students so yeah. much, you and know? It's, it's And, like, that kind of story, we've heard that so many times. Yeah. So many people have gone through that exact same experience where, like, they've been forced to wait. They've been told that, you know, there simply isn't enough room for them. Yeah. I think the fact that, like, McGill Mental Health Services have, like, the fact that they keep turning students away shows that, like, the school is producing anxious, depressed people who need help. And if you can't accommodate for all those students there's something a seriously wrong with the institution and b something so inadequate about your services yeah you know the fact that you're always booked that you never have enough therapists to see students like there's something wrong with your system and i don't see any changes being implemented like no real changes are being implemented no and like i my therapist now she's great um but i only see her once a month Mm. and i'm like what kind of work can you really do if you're only seeing your therapist once a month Mm -hmm. you know and I, like, recently found out that, like, McGill, they got rid of their, like, their body positivity, um, work, their body positivity support group, and, like, their eating disorders, like, um, like, I don't know what they call it, but, like, the, like, like the whole, the whole, like, network of support groups. Yeah, the network for eating disorders, they got rid of that on campus, and it's, like, what are you doing? Like, there are so many people who experience eating disorders on campus and you just were like nope jk bye like what is going on oh my god and like i am gonna be sitting on a like committee for mental health like with like the mcgill wellness advisors or whatever because they want to know like what students what students want and i guarantee you that, like, no matter what me and the other people who sit on this committee say, McGill is not going to follow through. They're not. They're they not going to listen to us. Because they don't listen to us. Mm-hmm. Oh, it makes me so mad. <sighs> and then I was literally told, I was trying to get to get into a support group um, 
and I was literally told that I was too depressed oh, right. I for this support group and I was showing too many symptoms of depression and that the support group probably would not be beneficial. And like, that you would like you would like bring bring them down, right? Did they say that as well? I, th- I can't remember exactly, but I do remember they were literally like, you showed too many signs of depression. Yeah, um, it's more like, you're too much for us to handle. Can you go fuck off now? Yeah, you know? like maybe you can do some more work with your counselor um, and then maybe rejoin the group at a later time. I'm like, well, I can't do a lot of work with my counselor because I only see her one, once a month and that is why she referred me to you guys. And now I'm too depressed for a support group. Like, how can someone be too depressed for a support group? It's a support group! Oh my god. I just... Ah! So do you see what we're dealing with here? Like, it's just ridiculous how complacent McGill is and how, like, time and time again they just fail their students who so badly need support. Mm-hmm. Especially students of color. Oh, white students get so much support here. It's a whole different world for them, man. I fucking swear. It's it's different. It's Yeah. I don't so even know tired. if there's any like like the support that students of color get does not come from the admin. It, it comes, comes from, from students. students. I was recently added into this I didn't pay much attention to it, but I'm, I'm really glad to be a part of it. It was this group on Facebook where I think, um, I think just South Asian, Asian. Yeah, yeah, it was the South yeah, Asian, South Asian, yeah. yeah, right? The group, and it was basically a Facebook group created by students of color to be like, hey, so we don't have any, like, safe spaces on campus for, you know, like, um, students of color, specifically Asian students, to just, you know, like, be with each other and, you know, like, talk. So we're going to create one online. And... I thought I thought it was great. I thought it was incredible, but it's also like that's the kind of world we live in, you know? Yeah. Where like the school we go to, the school that we like give money to every semester and do work for, they're just not here for us, you know? Um and it just sucks that there's barely any sort of emotional support coming from the university cuz I feel like a lot of people argue, well, it's an, it's a it's a school, you know? It's not like a daycare, you know, it's not like a it's not a mental health hospital. But like education to me is such an intimate process mm-hmm. because you're teaching students how to be people and how yeah. to live in the world and about the world. Which is so intimate. And the fact that they're not showing up for their students with like during that intimate process is like really stupid to me. And also like I think over one third of our student population is international. Yeah. Which means that these students are away from their support systems mm. for eight months out of the year. And also, it snows for like six of those months. Oh my and the God. weather is awful. So, like, that also adds to like negative feelings. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, like, the school should be responsible and should have to provide support systems for students that don't have any here in Montreal. Mm-hmm. You know, and we shouldn't have to rely on other students to provide those support systems that the school should be coming from mm-hmm. like i was talking with a friend last night and they were literally saying like how you know like i have met so many great people but like it would be so nice to meet people and not be bonded by trauma yes yes and not have to come together because we're all facing the same kind of oppression yeah it's and you know ask 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 white men if they experience that. They don't. I mean, I don't want to generalize, but it's just different, you know? Um. <sighs> that was a lot. That was, huh, hence the name. This is a lot. Um. We really, like, named this podcast well. We did. We really we, did. We hit it on the nail. Like. We really did. Um. And I feel like It's hard for me to, like, say these things in public because, you know, I still get scared that white people will come at me, you know, will try to fight me on this. And I read a tweet by Erica Hart. Love her. Woo! Um, And it was about 
how they still feel a little scared saying the term white people mm. in public. So whenever they do say white people, they say it in a lower voice. Mm. Um, and that's something I relate to because the only time I'm really ever truly comfortable saying white people is when I'm with you yeah. or when I'm like not in a public setting. Yeah. And it's just little things like that as well. You know, there's so much fear, I think, instilled in people of color. Um on a micro level but on a macro level but also a micro level just you know but yeah small forms of resistance yeah yeah Whew! i need to take a breath after that that was like it was good to like get it out get it out but it was yeah. also very draining because yeah. you know you're you have to relive sort of yeah the struggles of you know just or subjectivity and whatever. Yeah. Um, Life at McGill, everybody. Yeah. So, um, I think that's all we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna speak about today. Yeah. Which Action is a lot. Items. Action items. Go to the climate merge. Yes, if, go to the General Assembly if you can. If ooh, you can't, yes. definitely go to the General strike. Assembly's tonight. Strike. 6 to 8 p.m. Tomorrow. Is today Thursday? Today's Wednesday. Oh, thank God. Okay. So, the, so the General <laughs> Assembly, I think, is today from 6 to 8 p.m. And then the strike is on Friday, Friday from 10. 10. So go do that thing. Um, and also, like, small acts of resistance. Yes. 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 Whatever yes. that means to you. Whatever that means do to you. Do it. And also, like, white friends, stand up for your colored friends. Yeah. We need it. Yeah. We appreciate it. And it's not to say that we don't have white friends that are very very great oh, allies i mean true. we do we do we have some phenomenal oh. white friends that i have like no qualms about calling yeah. allies because they have been amazing so amazing you guys know who you are you oh my you know who you are you know i love you so much we love you um but all the other white people step up yes seriously step up uh also mcgill step up. oh my god step yeah up. if that wasn't clear enough like please <laughs> Up you're and failing your students. You're failing your students and you're producing an entire population of just sad, anxious human beings that need help. Um, but yeah, as usual, Shakira and I are both really happy to be here and have this platform and the privilege to talk about these things. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, yeah. Stay yeah. tuned for more. Not sure that's going to happen, but yeah. it'll happen. Yeah, next episode probably... I mean, maybe next week, maybe next month, maybe six months from now. We'll see. see Life happens. happens. Also, feel free to reach out if you guys want to talk, need more information. We're Mm -hmm. here. If you want to fight us already. Come at me. Literally, all the white men who thought what we said was bullshit. Literally, come at me. I got I will fight you. I've been battling people on Reddit lately, so, like, (laughs) I'm well prepared. (laughs) Yeah, so, um... That's it. That's it. Okay, bye. Bye.